freaking auto! This is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. James Buhner just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you on the internet. Don't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hi, Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports here on 710CLSports.com. It was a little surreal yesterday. I said it to uh, Coach McDonald as we mm. were chatting with him, and it, mm-hmm. it was. It felt strange for me after 14 years of back and forth with Pete Carroll. I mean, it's almost the entirety of our time together, Brock. And, uh, yeah, it was it was different. It was a different vibe yesterday. As I Was it easier that it was so different? Was yes. it easier that he's so young? Yes. Right? If, if it was Dan Quinn... Probably a little tougher in some regards because there's a lot of Pete in there. This is someone that had no relationship with him, someone that's half his age. Someone that's a young man compared to you and I in middle age. I mean, he's younger than us for crying out loud. Yeah. I think some of that is true. He doesn't come across that way. I Mm -hmm. mean, when you're in the room with him, if you didn't know that he was 36... I don't know that mid forties. Yeah, I don't know that you would guess that he's thirty six. Not that he looks old. I don't mean it that way. He's not like wrinkled or anything. But he just he he doesn't have a young presence about him because Mm. he's incredibly mature, very Mm -hmm. authentic, commands a room, all of those things. I don't get youth like emanating off of him. Except the other day when he was wearing the you know the hoodie, that sort of added to that. And the sneakers and stuff. Like he's got some some things about him where you're like, oh yeah, he is 36. Yes. But he definitely does not come across as young. I thought he came across as really authentic more than anything else. And the biggest thing I mentioned it at six o'clock is whereas Pete would sort of sit back and you know lean back in the chair and very Mm -hmm. relaxed in that way (laughs) he was on the on the edge of his seat he Mm -hmm. was leaned forward he was leaning into everything not out of nervousness i don't mean Mm -hmm. it that way at all i mean just out of engagement he was engaged in a way that was a little different yeah i'm really glad at the end that you got to some of the personal stuff i was really thankful for that i mean the football talk is super super fun and we'll discuss a ton of that at 8 30 and play back a bunch of the sound but just that ability to humanize, right? They used to say, you know, amongst many of the different lessons at ESPN, it seemed like every year, you know, some of the <clears throat> some of the plan changed. But I do remember one of the seasons was, hey, let's do a much better job of humanizing and then analyzing. Mm-hmm. You know, let's make sure we get these stories told. Let's make sure the audience knows who who these people are, who these young people are, and they're amazing stories along the way. And, you know, I think sometimes when you listen to a broadcast that can feel forced is they just try to jam something in really quick. And as the game moves, like if there's the right time, the right place, it's awesome. And I thought at the end of that, I, we needed to get to a bunch of the fun football and the hiring of Grubb and his staff and all that good stuff. But he sat like the son of a West Point grad. Yeah, here he is uh, kind of giving us a, a quick a quick history on, on who he is and where he comes from. Yeah, so my dad's a West Point grad. And uh, so, you know, he bounced around a little bit. He was in Germany after uh, graduating. But all of our family was from the Northeast. Mm. He ended up taking a job with AT&T. And <laughs> we moved to Georgia. So we got moved down there. But I had a great childhood. I mean, played a bunch of sports down there in Atlanta. I was better at baseball than I was at football. I tell people I retired, you know, in, in high school playing football because I wasn't any good. <laughs> uh, the West Point thing checks out. Yes. Like I, that when he said it was like, oh, yeah, OK. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like the yes. handshake, the just everything yep. about him is like, OK, the discipline. Yep. This all kind of makes sense. Yep. 
and discipline is such a such a huge part of it. And then when you move around a little bit and you get thrown in different environments and you've got to adapt and you got to adjust, mm-hmm. you know, you got to overcome some of those different situations. And yeah, you know, he felt it, it's interesting because a lot of I think that West Point and that discipline at times it feels buttoned up, right? Things are just buttoned up. But he felt, as you said, authentic and genuine on top of it. And it was, again, so different than Pete, where Pete is such a word salad, right? He just expresses and emotes in that way and likes to get a lot of words out. You do. You kind of sit on the edge of your seat and you're kind of waiting, listening, because most of those words and most of those thoughts are pretty measured. You know, and he want to give you a good answer. And I think you'd answer, asked a question about what staff or player turnover. Mm-hmm. And he just genuinely said, I can't answer that right now. You know, like I, it would be really just reaching and unfair and, and yeah, I mean, there's going to be, <laughs> I read that as, yeah, there's going to be, and yep. it's going to start with some maybe decisions this week. So, but that's going to be in John's court. That was my overriding. If your overriding was genuine because I met him before and I've been around him, I, I would co-sign on that. Mm-hmm. But I would say I walked away from that, that this is, uh, that. If Pete and John were supposed to be a 50-50 or pretty darn close to it, you know, maybe it was 60-40 Pete, you know, because he had the final say in some different things. This is going to feel like 80-20-90-10. But this is John. This is John being empowered. This is John with all this loads of experience. This is John's culture that he helped establish. This is, you know, John's personnel that he's helped really cultivate and draft. And, And not that Mike can't do it. But what an advantage to have somebody that's been bedrock for 14 years, and we're going to go through this process, and I'm going to I'm going to be really really strong <laughs> in helping you assemble the staff and assemble the kind of team around you, and I think Mike McDonald is just fine with that. Yeah, Got not a t- power play from John, not a I'm in charge, not an ego, not any of that, but much more of a hey man, I've been here a long time. Right. Let me show you the ropes and let's do this thing together with me doing a lot of the leading. I got a good friend uh, who graduated from Annapolis uh-huh. and he texted me and said, West Point, not Annapolis, but acceptable. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. Uh, I'm impressed. He even said it was acceptable. Usually the same guy spends most of his time ripping the Air Force for being late on their uh, on their uh, flyovers <laughs> or torching the army for this, that and the other. So the fact that he even says West Point is acceptable is a huge step in the right direction. Brock, isn't it a little bit surprising that John is going with this many first time NFL coaches, though? Yeah, I think the, the Leslie Frazier helps. I think, uh, you know, the veteran linebacker coach helps. I think you're going to see maybe a couple other veterans sprinkled in at the tight end coach, the running back coach, the receiver coach. It's just kind of a, a positive sounding board. But, you know, some of that, Justin, is you were also the final team to put these things together. Right. <laughs> you know, I think Mike even alluded to some of that from a timing perspective on some of these moves and, and maybe some people that he'd have been interested in. But sorry, you know, you were kind of last at the at the trough and – you know, you're going to have to have to round it out with some, you know, some youth and some inexperience. It really does feel it's funny because he said, you know, took the P question of, you know, no, I want to be, uh, you know, I want to embrace the culture and it's a gift. And this, I thought he, you know, that's how you handle that, that mm-hmm. question. That was great. But man, is he different from Pete in so many ways? It, it really, I know that at the core of it is this whole players coach idea mm-hmm. of, you know, empowering players, et cetera, and keeping a positive culture. And I think in that gigantic way, there, there is some similarity. Yeah. 
That seems to be pretty much where it ends. <laughs> Older, younger, yes. immature Pete, mature Mike McDonald. Uh, lean back in your chair, Pete. Lean forward on the edge, uh-huh. McDonald. Pete all over the place and scattered, and the team is you know playing on the edge, but who knows if they know what's going on. McDonald is disciplined and buttoned up and prepared, yeah. and all it just yep. it feels like complete opposites. In almost every way. And you can lead in different ways. You can coach football teams in different ways, you know, and there's different ways to to win. I, um, I forget if this was on the air or off the air. <laughs> there was a little back and forth of, oh, where, where are we from? In, in, yeah, it must have been off the air. Right yeah, before just we jumped on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, where are you from? And then you said, where are you from? I'm like, oh, gosh, please say Silver Spoon. No. Oh, please say uh, Silver Spoon. <laughs> no, please. You know, some of the fun engagement in the very first interview with Pete that was like, oh. It was not oh, the first one. What are these? What are these slogans? No, what, that what, one. What, yeah. what are these slogans? Pretty quickly. It wasn't one, but it was maybe like three or four. Yes. It wasn't. It wasn't too deep into it. Well, hopefully, uh, I'll be able to maintain a better start to my relationship with Mike McDonald. Uh, what what is this cutting edge or, or chasing edge? Is that a slogan? Uh, yeah. That <laughs> uh, was, no, that's that was really nice. Philosophical was, core, of what we do. It was really great. All right. Where, where did you say? You Would you from? be quiet? We're going to take a break, and Brock is going to go um, check himself for a couple of minutes. G Scott, what? G's in today. He's out this weekend, so yeah, G's going to come in and bother yeah. us at seven thirty. Uh, we'll have much more, uh, much more in depth reaction to what we heard from Mike McDonald coming up at eight thirty this morning. It's Mariner stuff today. There's a lot going on. Don't go anywhere. Brock and Salk Sales Sports on seven ten. Where are you from? Need to know. Fifteen minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. First. Well, it was nice to meet Mike McDonald for the first time yesterday, sit and talk with him. He seemed, I thought, very comfortable, confident, authentic, very much the right guy to transition into this next era of Seahawks football. And you can see he commands a room. He meshes, you would think, very well with John Schneider and gave us some info on how we would like to build the team and play some physical football. Brock, you asked him specifically about his phrase, chasing edges, and he explained what it means. This is something that was in Baltimore from John that he, he had mentioned a couple times, and we've and we, him and I have had conversations with about you know the, the Baltimore program, but my mentality is take that in terms of, it was more schematics, Brock, you know, yeah. in Baltimore, but um, it really resonated with me about how you want to build your program. And I just think that it's so competitive in the NFL and it's so difficult to win and you win on the margins. And so if we can have the mentality here in Seattle, <laughs> regardless, like even just how we operate with our PR department, it's just, you know, video, all those types of things, how we generate information, uh, how we coach our guys. The- yeah, essentially, Brock, it's not that different from always compete, right? It's mm-hmm. always looking to be marginally better than your opponent and finding that one thing that'll give you an edge in every battle. Yeah, you remember the 2000s up there in uh, in the New England area where the Patriots won all those Super Bowls? Do you remember how often you would hear them talking about setting an edge? And McGinnis and Vrabel were two absolute monsters that didn't just kind of kept everything and funneled everything in and there was just nowhere to run and... Man, they just squeeze the life out of you. When he was saying that, you know, setting the edges, chasing the edges, a lot of that was schematic at first. That's mm. what he's talking about. And that's you, Derek Hall, and that's you, Daryl Taylor, and that is you, you know, after Uchenna goes down, being able to just set an edge and play with that and then play with that edge, right, and know where your leverage and your containment is. So there's a bunch of things schematically, and then you're right. Then it goes down to, okay, let's play in the margin. You know, let's figure out how we can gain an advantage. Let's figure out how my year in college football played an advantage. Let's figure out how this Ryan Grubb guy 
has taken it to everybody at the collegiate level and see how that's going to play out at the NFL level because I think it's going to be pretty darn good schematically. And, and uh, oh, by the way, we get an OC that has an O-line background. And as I've said to you, man, that is very, very important yeah. and fun that he mentioned that yesterday. If too. you missed any of the interview, you can find it at seattlesports.com or the YouTube link uh, to watch the entire thing as well. Speaking of viewing, we didn't quite get to 123 million hits, but... The Super Bowl apparently had 123 million viewers. That set an NFL record. Here's the second thing you need People to know. People just tuned in for Tony Romo. What can I NFL tell you? NFL record or television record? Well, I think both. Yeah. yeah. They just love Romo, Brock. I think MASH. MASH final episode. It's always there. It's always it was on there, there for a long it time. Was, I know. <laughs> yes. Pitchers and catchers, Brock, tomorrow's the reporting date in Peoria. The lineup and the quest for more offense was really the story of the offseason. But it's the pitching that is still the story of this team. And they come in with out a ton of roster battles, right? Luis Castillo's going to start opening day. George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, two and three. Bryce Miller's going to be fourth. And then Brian Wu probably going to be fifth. And they'll try to protect him. He could probably go more than a month before he would need to start on regular rest. So that's a good way to protect his arm. The bigger questions on this roster are much more around who slots in after those guys, because usually you need eight or ten to start over the course of a season. And then what is going to look like for the one or two open jobs in the pen? Ty Adcock was up last year. We'll see and meet Carlos Vargas and Jackson Kowar, both of whom were acquired in the offseason. Those are some names we're probably going to look to get to know. Oh, look at you doing your homework on names. Good job. Way to write those suckers down. Get those embedded before we head on down there. I was more worried about the weather. I mean, after a sloppy, wet, there were all sorts of man-made slip and slides at the waste management down there in Scottsdale. Like, geesh, are they going to even be able to report? Get out and throw. Well, today in uh, Arizona, it's going to be 69 and sunny. Should be just fine. Also, you can cross one more available free agent off the list. Outfielder DH Jorge Soler headed to San Francisco on a three-year deal. Mariners, I don't think they're still going to do anything, but if they were to, this was never going to be it, right? Just because of the position, yeah. no flexibility. Three years, $42 million, yeah. 14 mil a year. Yeah, there's still some money out there. But if you are eyes on Matt Chapman, this does take away one of his possible destinations because I don't see them doing both. So see where that goes, and we'll discuss in a little bit more detail coming up at 9 o'clock. Here's the third thing you need to know. Brock, 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 Brock. The Kraken might be in a little trouble. Dropped their second straight out of the break. It wasn't particularly close. The Devils beat them 3-1. to one. It could have been 10-1. to one. Joey Decord, honestly, was the only reason that they were even in the game. Veneers struggled. Young Riker Evans struggled. They had no answers for that top line of the Devils. It was not a good night. Is this a beat-up team? Are they missing a bunch of pieces? No, or is this just, really. a, just no. a team without a lot of firepower yeah. star power that's kind of what it looked like last night now it's just one game and but you know it's two coming out of the break and they just start slipping and slipping and slipping the one thing is just the veneers he just has not looked the same at all this season as he did when he first came up or really throughout much of most of last year mm-hmm. that is uh, a growing concern that's everything you yeah. need to know not a lot of star power you know where there is a star power i sent you this little note last yeah. night you see what the going ticket rate is for Caitlin Clark? Is she's going to break the mm. great Kelsey Plum scoring record? And I had I was at a, a high school girls basketball game last night, seeing some old friends, and and a bunch of them had a good question, like should should she go pro? I mean, she got another year. She got a COVID year. She could stay around, and you know, I mean, could she make more money staying at Iowa? That was uh, the question that uh, got Michael Wilbon in trouble. 
Uh oh. Uh oh. Really? Not question. I mean, he he definitively stated that she could make more money by staying in college, and people were mm-hmm. not wild about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, endorsement wise, at either place, but geesh, I think the getting in rates like. 500 bucks a ticket, the Crazy. second most expensive in the history of college women's basketball as she looked to break that record. And yeah, the revenue that she is bringing in, my goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. And she is so fun to watch. She Holy really is. Smokes. Yeah, yes. so that's Thursday night. That can be on TV. Uh, that is on the old Peacock. 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 It's on Peacock? Mm-hmm. I have Peacock. I can oh, watch good. that. Oh, great. Yeah. Yes, I watched something old. on Peacock this weekend. I was just telling Justin Amore. I found out that I had it because I think I bought it for a baseball game at some point. Okay. Forgot to cancel it. Then I was mm-hmm. able to watch that uh, the the playoff game that was on Peacock. The Kansas City game. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, so I got to watch the holdovers over the weekend. The oh, Paul good. Giamatti movie. Oh, good for you. So okay. good. Yeah. Really awesome. good. Did you see it? No. You wouldn't like it. No. It's too mature for you. It's too smart for you. No way you would like it. It's, it's not, a, it's not a really your kind of thing. West Point stuff. Yeah. Nice. I mean, that's fine, Brock. It's nice. for those of us who kind of. Yeah. All right. Coming up next. Uh, G, what? G, speaking of highbrow, G. Scott will be in. At 745, we will have Blue 88. Mm-hmm. At 8 o'clock, Brock, never in my life have I personally added an emoji to our show sheet but I did for our 8 o'clock conversation. So all of that is coming up in the next half hour, 45 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I thought he wasn't using this music anymore. Oh, what? <laughs> After everything we learned about you. Come on, man. It's an early Tuesday edition of uh, G. Scott's uh, performance. I'm sorry. Parents. What's Where's up? Bagpipe? <laughs> What's up, Brock? Where's the Lumineers? Where's some Irish? St. <laughs> Patty's. St. Patty's right around the corner. I don't know. I, you know what? I pulled your side the other day when I broke one of my rules. Yeah, I heard about this. So just so you know, G's in uh, early this week. He's going to be here today instead of Friday. G has more days off than anybody in this building. Never seen anything <laughs> like it. I just like he's on the old Don O'Neill plan or something. I don't. I don't, I don't know how this works. But don't worry, I'm loved less. But go ahead. <laughs> well, go ahead. You're still here. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, good point. Um, so you wrote up some rules. Rules for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I wrote up some rules on what to do when you go to a Super Bowl party. And if you're getting ready to leave out of your car, you guys got to wait because this is important. Yeah. So a lot of my rules were very simple. Don't come empty-handed. When you show up to the party, make sure you wash your hands. People are watching. Don't be the one. Don't bring up Taylor Swift during the conversation. You didn't do don't, that? Don't be talking. No, did none of that. Right? Wear socks. That was a good one. Wear, wear socks. socks. Who doesn't wear yes. socks? Oh, people that come in flip-flops? Some of y'all people. Here yes. in Seattle yeah. in February? Sure. That's yeah. a thing? Sure. Yeah. That, no. uh, again, somebody, and they're Birkenstocks? Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, the folks, absolutely. People wear sandals year-round. Folks, folks yeah. that wear yeah, a pair, but yeah, I'm not here this is seattle's cold it's rainy <laughs> folks folks that uh wear patagonia sometimes wear fox so <laughs> so anyways so this is what happened one of the rules were if you have to do number two you need to either a go to a gas station right or b go home mm-hmm. seems fair yeah also, also one yeah, of or, or just hold it. Also, one, one of yeah. my rules were: if you go to get a plate of food, don't just pile on food that you've never tasted before, because you don't know if it's good or not. So I followed that rule on the plate. So there were these meatballs, right? The meatballs, I, you know what? I'm gonna take about three of three of them. So I put them on a the plate. Yeah. I go to eat my food. These meatballs were. Sp- 
popping. I mean, these meatballs are slapping. So when I go to get a second plate, y'all, mm-hmm. I go get the second plate, and I load up on the meatballs, right? Because I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. So I'm eating my meatballs, doing my thing, watching the game, and all that kind of good stuff. And anyway, we're watching the game, excitement, commercials, all that good stuff. And mm. then there was a moment of, uh-oh. Felt a little rumble. Mm. Felt the rumble. Yeah. Mm. And it was a warning shot. <laughs> yeah. But it was a tougher warning shot. It wasn't the light one. It was like, yo. You got about 10 minutes. You got to land this plane now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> 10 yeah. minutes. So I'm in the house. And so I'm like. How far is the house from your house? Hour. Hour. Oh, hour. Well, that oh. seems like your yeah. first mistake. Yeah, yeah, you went yeah. too far for a Super yeah, Bowl party. Yeah. I got to go. I, I got to go. I got to leave. So I get, I'm now, that's going to be weird because we're, we're still in the uh, we're third, quarter. Quarter. Third, third quarter. You're in the third middle quarter. of the game. We're third, in the game, right? Yeah. Was your wife with you? No, she was not. I was just wondering if you alerted her to what was going on. That's kind of weird also. Yeah. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was is I kind of walk in and the bathroom is being occupied. And I'm like, man, so I'm just kind of waiting. And then there was a little room right there. I'm just kind of sitting there. And this little kid kept asking me, so what are you doing? I'm like, get away from me, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Get away from me. So finally, somebody is still in the bathroom. So Brock, I'm thinking they had the meatballs too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So finally, after like five minutes, they're still in the bathroom. I see the owner of the house. Like, hey, man, you, you got another bathroom? He says, oh, yeah, gee, come on. Come upstairs. He takes me to come my bedroom. He come takes right me to my bedroom. Why don't you come use the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the main room. The so in suite. Right. Uh, so he, he takes me in there. Mm. Nice guy. I love the dude. Takes mm. me in there. I'm like, oh, thank you. So I go in. Huge bathroom, yeah. very nice bathroom, bidet. by the way. Uh, no, I don't think it had a bidet, but it had to. It, it was so big that it had its own room, right? Mm. The home, the, this is the toilet had its own room. So I go in there, bam, I'm good. Life is good. All of a sudden, I hear somebody in the bathroom. What do you mean? You, oh, somebody's coming in. You didn't lock the door. I didn't close that door. You I only, only closed the little door. Yes, oh, crazy. Oh, I know. Oh, gee, oh. I know. Only closed the little door. This is absurd. Yeah, rookie mistake, man. Gee. So they're out there. You I want said, as oh. many barriers between you and them as possible. Exactly. So I'm like, there's no way I want them to see my face. Right. Right. Because you went number two. I mean, I, I mean, think that was a pretty big part I of the mean, story. Uh, yeah. 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 Gee. Yeah. yeah. So you broke your rule. So I couldn't, I had to go out. I leave, I go out, and she says, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? And she's like, oh, I didn't know you were in here. I'm like, yeah, I didn't close the big door. I apologize. She's like, yeah. So I was like, hey, can I just wash my hands? Because she was right there by the sink, and she's looking sure. in the mirror. So I go to wash my hands, and she washes my hand and everything like that. And as I'm getting ready to leave, I see her getting ready to go in that room, and I said to myself, oh. stop right there. <laughs> Should I say something? Like, um, I, like I wouldn't go in there? <laughs> you can't say that. I know. I thought you were going to see her spraying something afterwards. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, uh, haven't been in here in a while. <laughs> Man, so I didn't say anything, and I just left. Have you talked to her since? I mean, I couldn't even look at her. <laughs> I couldn't look. Sock. Yeah, did back. you remember to flush and all that pain? I mean, come on, come on, man. I did all of I that, guess. but it didn't. Okay. Oh, it you did. make it sound like it's obvious after you forgot to lock the doors <laughs> or close the doors but, leading to the bathroom. But was it because of course I flushed, Brock. But, I mean, I didn't close any of the doors. But the but I flushed. Is that you gotta understand. Like, I don't want anybody. You guys gotta understand. Like, people's like, well, gee, why didn't you close the bathroom? Like, at this moment, we're talking about it's cold red, cold red. I know, but you gotta close the doors. 
I, mean, I, would, I, I was only mad. That part's on only you. Only one yeah. door mattered at that point. No, sorry. Right? That and one's I'm on you. I'm talking this whole story. We're yeah. just going to gloss over the fact that G gives me so much grief yeah. for not hanging out with Betsy enough mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, the biggest TV day of the year. Yeah, who are you watching with, Justin? Friends. (laughs) Who are you watching with, Justin? I watch with Betsy. Interesting. Who do you watch with? Matt when he starts clapping. (laughs) Wow, wow. Betsy, we're just gonna move move past that. Where was your wife? She was with with our other other set of friends. (laughs) Wow. So you a set of friends split up to go with two different groups of friends? Yeah, for Super Bowl? yeah. Come on That's now, where they come on now? Don't even. She'd already committed to go there. I don't use the stuff. word committed every time you use it, though. I get nervous because I'm not sure what it means to you, given your history. So. Everything okay? Everything is good. Is it? Yes. Her birthday is this weekend. Uh, We're going to be celebrating. We're good. Don't worry about that, me and the wife. Look, I have no choice but to be good. You sure? Yeah. Okay. So I want to make sure. So, so again, I violated violated everything, Brock, man. This was just. So, question. A couple quick questions. You violated their home. What? A couple quick questions. Yeah. Before Code Red, do you take a peek and make sure there's a plunger? Do you look in the cabinet? Do you look by the toilet? Do you make sure there is a plunger? Sound like there was a lot of time for that. Here's the, here's the thing. Yes. When I tell you guys cold red, a lot of you can relate to cold red. And cold red is it is you're not paying attention to nothing. <laughs> right. No details. At this yeah. point, you just at, this, go. at this point, yeah. it's about to be on. Yeah. Now, there's been some cold reds that some of us have not made it. Mm. And, I'm not, I'm not, not in that category. And not mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. making it at somebody else's mm-hmm. crib is mm-hmm. a no-no. Right. So, Brock, sort of you're asking me all anywhere. the details. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even close the regular He's bathroom He's asking for door. a reason, though, because yeah. Brock has a story that oh, he Oh, yeah, a couple study. couple yeah. study. Years and years ago, probably two decades ago now. What'd you do? Well, you know, husbands, wives, you know, just good study, good time. And there was a bathroom off the family room. I didn't. In in situation like that, I mean, it's obvious. It's only number one, and probably turn even the faucet on while you're going number one because the bathroom is that close. One of the linemen decided, well, he's Southern boy, and he had to go. Maybe it was a code red. I don't know. And he went in there, and and he was not to be found for a while. And turns out he plugged that toilet. There was no plunger, and 305 pounds had to crawl out the bathroom window go to the car, go to the store, come back, crawl back through the window, and take the plunger in order to clear said toilet. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it shows you the athleticism, you know, and you won't be an NFL lineman be able to crawl through that window 300 yeah. pounds. So yeah. Chris did. Oh, yeah. I, did, I mean, I didn't mention. I didn't want to well, mention his name. Just kind of mentioned his name. It's nice. Name. Appreciate you just, just outed him after all of that. Wow, gee, it sounds like you had quite a super. Did you get to watch any of the game? I mean, I did. What'd you think? You know what I mean? It was a great game. I mean, that's what we're going to talk about defense being a, a, a factor. Most of the time, everybody's going to talk about Patrick Mahomes and, of course, what he had done, but it was defense. It was the Kansas City Chiefs defense that was really the MVP. Uh, shout out to McDuffie, who just Ooh, absolutely put He made Man. him. McDuffie, shout out to McDuffie, University of Washington, see, by way of St. John Bosco. He just made himself a hundred plus million dollars yeah. on Sunday. Is he on his way to being the greatest Husky corner? Uh, yes. I mean, there are a lot of them. Remember in that era with, with Jimmy and, and even, you know, there were a lot of guys that yeah. kind of came through and mm-hmm. developed. And, uh, I mean, Buddha's turned into an, an all-pro safety. Yo, a lot of those guys have turned it on, but McDuffie has Mc, been just a McDuffie stuff. put a clinic on out there. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about 0-0. 
Salk, first quarter, right? And mm-hmm. you start talking about uh, held them to 10 while the Kansas City Chiefs were struggling in that first half, held the Niners to 10 point. I don't know. The, the only thing, I know a lot of people are talking down on Kyle Shanahan. I would think the only thing that I would say, if I were saying to Kyle Shanahan, what you should have done more of, Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. is far and away the best running back in the game. I don't understand why you didn't feed him even more. I, got, I, got, I think that's a fair criticism. The only thing I would assume, because I'm not going to sit here and speak for Shanahan, but I would assume just because they were behind the sticks a bunch. Mm-hmm. There were so many false start penalties and things that got them into first and 15, first and 20, sure. that mm-hmm. once that happens, it sort of takes you out of your ability to keep using him. When they got to overtime, they remembered him and started using him. And honestly, if you want to say what's the biggest play of that game, Brock, you mentioned the third down where Chris Jones came free. That's probably number one. But right after that would be the play right before it. Second and four from the same spot. They run Christian McCaffrey and that huge guy, Pinnell, and one of their uh, linebackers. They stop him right at the line of scrimmage. And those two plays probably end up defining this game as much as any other. Mm Mm-hmm. And that would be Trent Williams, your boy Pinnell went up against. And yeah, just, yeah, Trent usually is so dominant. McDuffie took him on a couple times. Like, yeah, it was, uh, you're, you're right, Gene. I mean, Mahomes gets all the credit because he throws for 333. He runs for 66. He's absolute money. Nails every single time the game's on the line. You know, I said to Salk yesterday, and I didn't know I was quoting Romo. I probably should have maybe thought of something else. But it was. I mean, he felt like Jordan. You and I growing up watching Michael Jordan through all those years, like every big moment, he's just going to make it happen. Every big shot, he's going to just make it happen. Every time it's title time, he's going to make it happen. And, yeah, Mahomes just, to me, took yet another step. Looked like Tony Romo actually studied for this game. But anyway, um, when we start talking about uh, uh, a little, uh, uh, it sounded it seemed more like he had taken some sedatives for this game or something. Uh, I don't know. I do talk about mailing it in. You know, when it was when it was fourth and one at the end of, towards the end of the game, mm-hmm. yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. I want to ask you guys, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, oh boy, they got to get this, or were you thinking, this is Mahomes? Of course they're going to get this fourth mm-hmm. and one. It's not even, you know, I don't know how they were going to get it. And we know that, you know, he he ran for it. But it's Patrick Mahomes fourth and one. And this is what makes him far and above the best quarterback in the Mm. game. Because most of us, again, when it was fourth and one, and this was it for the Chiefs, most of us weren't thinking it's over. Yeah, you know the beauty, and 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 you watch so many, and I over 17 years of college football and, and even years before that playing, and you can talk to the Hasselbacks and the Dilfers and anybody that, you know, would just kind of be super transparent. They would tell you that, man, that, that voice in your head, like, oh, man, don't get this ball tipped. Oh, man, you know me. Just, I don't think he hears any of that. Mm. I don't think he hears any doubt whatsoever in mm. his mind. It's just like, yep, okay, we're going to get it. You know, Tom Brady, same way. That was his, Damon, story after story of, of Brady just being so headstrong and yeah. so mindful. Like, I'm not even thinking about the downside. There's a there's a good text here from the 509 that I won't agree with. You, you guys mentioned, Brock, you mentioned Michael Jordan yesterday. Tony mm-hmm. Romo mentioned Jordan. And I think I'm more with the 509. Mahomes is more like Curry than Jordan, in my opinion, he writes, or she. Mm-hmm. I, I think I agree with that. Jordan felt like a cutthroat killer. Right. Like he he fed off of your energy and gave it back to you tenfold. Curry, I think, is much more like like uh, like Mm. Mahomes of just like, man, I'm just going to hit the shot. 
Mm. Like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to be creative. I'm going to be clever. I'm going to do something you're not expecting. I'm just going to hit the shot. Mm. And that, I don't know. Look, I mean, we're splitting hairs. Maybe yeah. we're chasing edges. But yeah. I, uh, I, I, I think I would agree with that. It feels a little bit more curry like. Maybe than the way he like chews on his mouthpiece. Too. Maybe they both have such. I think. A, yeah. I, I think generational I, thing. I, I, I think yep. the last thing I think what makes Mahomes great would be the way I believe that his energy is is fed off of by his team. Mm-hmm. Like, the way we are talking mm-hmm. about Mahomes, I think the team thinks yes. that about oh, Mahomes. I think that's and true. that's why they play yeah. the way that they do. Hey, man. Point. G, you gotta I'm go. I'm going to miss y'all, bro. Hey, I got, uh, Brock, I, I told G this, but when I was somewhere over the weekend, and mm-hmm. I ran into somebody. Remember G had that big auctioneering gig? Oh, with the Kraken. With the Kraken. And he was like, oh, this is my chance for the major leagues. I'm actually nervous about this. I talked to somebody over the weekend who was there, mm. who didn't know G from Adam. Mm. And I was like, oh, man, my guy G was the whole, he was like, really? You know that guy? I was like, yeah. he's like, he was unbelievable. He's incredible. Never like, heard an Irishman do an auction like that. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, was like, he was out there. He was doing was Alex Collins, Irish dancing. <laughs> no, he was, he was like without any, any background. Yeah. Oh, was like, oh, that guy was incredible. Nice. So uh, just a little maybe, plug there. Hey, maybe that's why Mike Shaw gave me a job in the first place. Maybe. Because he knew that I was Irish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, he ain't hired one of us in. Uh, See, I don't hire anybody oh, anymore. Go away. How dare you? Get out of here. There goes G. Scott. His show starts at 9 o'clock with Ursula Royteen. And uh, right now, we'll ask Brock some football questions. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. All right, Brock, let's do some uh, Blue 88, starting with this question. What is one piece of technology we're going to see in the practice field at uh, the VMAC that we've never seen there before? Yeah, I bet we're going to see this. I don't know this definitively, but it is one of those chasing edges. It's finding a little margin. It's something that the University of Washington did with Kalen DeBoer that I didn't see anybody else and haven't seen anybody else do. In fact, I was telling Pete Carroll about it off the air near the end of the season as we were chatting about the Huskies. And I said, you know, the amazing thing is, you know, you go out to a Husky practice and Kalen DeBoer is so generous and gracious with his time. And we've had Chris Fowler and Sean McDonough and others that say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, gosh, you go out to practice and he's just talking to you. And, but all the while, he's got a headset on and he's listening to all of his coordinators. He's listening, he's got different channels that he can plug into, and if he wants to you know, hear on the other practice field what's going on with the offense, he's able to do that because Grubb and the old line coach Scott Huff and the receiver coach, guess what? They all got these headsets that they're all on, communicating their coaching points, communicating the plays that are being run, you know, quickly just reacting to them like you do in a game. You know, everybody wears a headset in the game. There's that communication in the game. And if Mike McDonald's got to chase an edge salt mm. and he's got to play a little catch up, you know, because he's never been out there for game day, you know, a great way to do it. Have those headsets on during practice. Great way to communicate, you know, and I, I'd hear him say, hey, hold on one second, Brock. And, you know, and he'd, he'd buzz into William Inge, the D coordinator. Hey, what player are we on? Hey, what's going on? You know, and just instantaneous feedback. And uh, so I bet you that was such a, a cool component, something I hadn't seen anybody else really do in football. And I bet you we see that on the practice field when we're out there, maybe even in the OTAs. It's just a, a sense of communication. So you know what's going on at all times. 
with all the different facets of a football team. College is even bigger. Remember that. College, you got 85 scholarships, walk on, you got well over 100 players. NFL is a little smaller, especially during the season, but not in training camp. I'm going to keep my eye on that little piece of technology. All right, question number two. For all the conversation we had and all the reports about potential offensive coordinator candidates, it wasn't until after Ryan Grubb was hired that Adam Schefter had this report. You know, he was up for... Uh, I'm sorry, talking about Eric Bieniemy. You know, he was up for a few different roles. First of all, he interviewed for the head coaching job in Washington. There were, there were offensive coordinator jobs that he was very quietly involved with uh, that ultimately he didn't get in the end. Where? And so... What's that? Where? Uh... Well, I think he was a candidate in Seattle, for one, to begin with. Okay. That came down to the end there. So that came down to the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could be shouting at him. Where? <laughs> Meatloaf! Ah! Jeez. People say I'm brusque. Uh, anyway. Um, what? Why grub over the enemy? Yeah, I think as you listened to McDonald yesterday in his... <laughs> Detail-oriented, is buttoned up, is, hey, man, we're going to treat these players with the utmost respect. There's just a bunch of those factors that are not Eric Bieniemy. And I know at 8.30, we'll get to a bunch more football, kind of deeper conversations amongst many of these takeaways from McDonald's. But I loved his answer, like both defensively and offensively. And that is, hey, man, we have a core philosophy is this is what we are. You know, Maura emailed us last night. And, man, if she emailed it once, she emailed it 10 times over the course of the season. Who are the Seahawks on offense? Who are they? What 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 is their what is their core philosophy that then everything comes out of? Are they a thirteen personnel? Are they eleven personnel? Are they a run? Are they a pass? Are they a play action? Are they a drop back? What are they? You're going to know very clearly with Ryan Grubb. You are a move motion shift team. You're going to make that defense show its cards, and from there, you are going to get to the matchups that we have taught, that we have cultivated from this core philosophy. That is who we are. Mm. And I don't think an Eric Bieniemy is going to be able, A, to define that very clearly, and certainly his team in Washington last year was all over the map as he was the first time coordinating one. All right, question number three. I'm not asking this question the way you wrote it. This is me. I'm not asking this. Well, you I, you know what? I'm going to take this, it. Let me just read you what Brock wrote, and then I'm going to yes. ask you a real question. No, I'm going to actually audible. You can ask that question, but I'm going to audible to some breaking news this morning. So. UCLA ends up with an average running back coach as their yes. head coach to yes. replace Chip Kelly. Why? Yeah. Brock. That's true. He's there. He's he's He went there. Deshaun, Deshaun Foster. Foster. Great guy. Went no, there. Really well. Awesome guy. One of yes. my favorite running backs when he was at UCLA. How dare you attack my guy I like think that. we would have been teammates, and I picked I know. UCLA over Washington. I would have watched yes. you and rooted for you instead of Cade McNown. So, so he's, a, he's been a, you know, in the in the pecking order, this is just the facts. This isn't even the question I want to get to. But in the pecking order, in the pecking order of coaches, it is OC, it is QB coach, it is O. No, it's probably OC, O-line coach, quarterback coach, receiver coach, running back, tight end. Like that, that's just the pecking order of like acumen, so? like in, entry level. Dan and Campbell go was a for, tight end coach. And you're going to go from a running back coach to the head coach at UCLA. Yeah. I just, oof. I, I, I hope their AD, he's taking a big swing here. He's going to be great. Yeah. I think that resonates. And this is why C-Raj and I have been going at it. 
they're privately texting off the air too. Oh, wow. As he's just, you know, he's really upset at Judas Fish and thinks that, that he, Mr. Fish, interviewed for the UCLA job. Did he? All sorts I of saw the reports. reports. What, you saw all the reports afterwards or before? I don't know. I just saw yeah. reports. Yeah, lots of lots of different reports. It's a lot of noise. Yeah, UCLA is totally broke. You, there's a reason that Chip Kelly left as a head coach to go be an OC. And, sheesh, I feel awful. Mm. I do for a school that actually I love, for one of the great stadiums in all of college football, that their football programs have a real tough time heading to the Big Ten. All right, there you go. That is today's Blue 88. Breaking What's your news. audible? What's your breaking news? Breaking news is it looks like we're going to get rid of all this sign stealing in college football. Mm. All these ridiculous shenanigans, and they are going to be, they did it during the bowl season. They went to the tablets on the sideline. They went to the communication in the helmet, Mm. which has been around for, I don't know, 40 years in the NFL, 30 years. Like, hey, can we just put some headsets in? You You want to take care of all this ridiculous nonsense? Just let them communicate, and the technology is there, and it's been there for a long time. So it went so swimmingly through all of the bowl season that I believe that the football bowl subdivision is going to unanimously Very vote cool. that let's put some uh, some of this communication in the helmet and get rid of these ridiculous signs. Well, thank God. I, I had been losing sleep over that, so I'm I really glad to know Good. that somebody has finally uh, corrected this And that's major why Jim problem. finally left, right? He's been chasing those edges. He had all those edges, <laughs> right. all that cheating in Michigan. Now and it's gone. Know, yeah, gotta now go. it's gone. So oh, I got to go Time to the for lake. him to go. All right. Yeah. Coming up next, Brock, first time I have ever put an emoji into our show sheet. I saw it's that. never happened before. Did you see it? Was it a tear? Which one was it's it? A, yeah, sort of a crying tear sad yeah. emoji. And it's next. I'm Brock and Salt. Last year, you guys don't know which emojis are. Mora, it is a crying tear, sad emoji. Save your your voice, Mora. Save your voice. Oh, it's already almost. Mora will be singing at eight (laughs) fifty today. I just want that known right now. What time is it? Eight five zero. Look forward to Mora singing Mm -hmm. to pay off her bet. Eight Mm -hmm. five zero. Just under an hour from now, the crying sad emoji is next. I'm Brock and Salt.